Um, Connor, your team's interested, reportedly. Uh, would you like Evander Kane on your team? Sure. <laughs> we need to score more <laughs> goals. Welcome to the 44th episode of Clubhouse Combos. It's your host, Colin Scully, joined tonight, as usual, by my good friend, Evan Mullings. How are we tonight, buddy? Good, Colin. How are you? I'm um, just fine and dandy. Had a nice outdoor skate tonight. It's yes. very fun. Good day for it. Newman, how are you today? I'm good. Late night pod tonight. It's, it's good. Yes. Back to the late night pods. Dan, out of the sling. That was yes, a quick run. we are. I can lift my arm, sort of. Progress. <laughs> Yesterday, while laying in bed, I was able to reach my hand up and touch the wall behind me. So we're making a lot uh, of progress. There we go. Baby steps. Um, Baby steps. We don't have uh, a ton of headlines because we're doing our, our different uh, headline segment. So we'll do the power rankings, and then we'll jump in a lineup card, and then we'll go to individual headlines. Uh, Dan, would you like to start with NBA or NHL power rankings? Well, I got the NBA sorted. So, all right. Um, so coming in at number one uh, has been the number one team for the last couple, or like month or two, I think, is the Golden State Warriors uh, and the same number two team, Phoenix Suns. Uh, they're followed by the Chicago Bulls, who climb one spot. Uh, the Utah Jazz at four, uh, Brooklyn Nets at five, Memphis Grizzlies at six, Milwaukee Bucks at seven. Miami Heat at eight, the Dallas Mavericks coming into the top 10, as well as the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, the one note I have is our Cleveland Cavaliers are no longer in the top 10. Uh, I thought about giving them the 10th place, but I ended up giving it to Dallas. So they've um, struggled. Nothing lately. much, really. And they also yeah. lost Rubio. Mm-hmm. I, I have no gripes yeah. with the order, though. Do I think Grizzlies I might be better than the Nets right now. Yeah, the Grizzlies are pretty fucking hot. Just beat the Warriors the other night. I just think, like, if the Nets, like, the reason I have them still high or maybe above the Grizzlies is, like, if they want to, like, win or do good, like, it's the regular season right now. Like, with Durant and Harden, like, they could just go off whenever. Just the potential there for everyone. Yeah. Like, you just never know. Yeah. Yeah, they've been there before. I, this is uh, they're on a ten game win streak right now, and that's the longest win streak in franchise history. Yeah. For the Nets, no gripes. No, uh, I'm talking Grizzlies. Oh, oh. yeah, they're fucking Grizzlies good are right now. John Morant's hot. Yeah. Um, uh, NHL. How we do the NHL? Yep. Um, so at number one, we're going to have the Carolina Hurricanes, which is followed by the uh, Florida Panthers at two, Tampa Bay Lightning at three, uh, Toronto Maple Leafs at four, the New York Rangers at five, Colorado Avalanche at six, Washington Capitals at seven, Nashville Predators at eight, the Vegas Golden Knights at nine, and the Pittsburgh Penguins at 10. Um, the one note I kind of have here, it's kind of interesting, uh, just kind of looking at the how the movement goes over the last couple of weeks. So there's a lot of movement at one and three, um, but the Toronto Maple Leafs have stayed the same at four, even though teams are like five and below or coming into the top three and the top three's move. Like it's kind of weird. Toronto's just sitting at this four spot while everything's moving around them, even at one to three. So just kind of weird how that's working out. I'm a little unhappy with the exclusion of the Vegas Golden Knights by Connor and Evan. I'm a little unhappy with that, and I'd like to hear your reasoning behind it. I didn't exclude them. They're 10th. Oh, my apologies. Evan, what the fuck? Um, No Capitals and no Vegas. Explain yourself. Well, I don't really feel too guilty about the Capitals. Um, We had our discussion in our chat. It got a little fiery. Well, Um, someone got a little whiny and sensitive. (laughs) Fuck yourself. 
Um, <laughs> listen, Guess who I got think, whiny and sensitive? <laughs> yeah, I think we know by that reaction. Um, <laughs> anyway, Washington, I'm just not a big fan of Washington right now. I really had it been since they lost in um, the playoffs last year. I thought they had an unimpressive showing against the Bruins. Goaltending suspect right now. I, I, I Excuse me, I understand Samsonov is injured. I still don't like him really as a starter when he's in there. Um, so that's my reasoning for them. I think they've been overhyped all year. They have so many overtime losses. We saw what the Bruins did to them the other night. Uh, they are out of my top 10. I have the Bruins at 10. Vegas is an interesting one. I've been very high on Vegas, but I don't know. I, I haven't been sold on Leonard's play this year. I think he's kind of been a mid, middle of the pack goaltender. He's starting too much. They're allowing a lot more goals than you would think. Um, so I haven't been impressed there with Vegas. And I look up front, yes, they're going to get Eichel back. And when that happens, they're going to get a huge boost in my rankings, I'm sure. But there's not really one offensive player there. I get Mark Stone is there, but there's not one offensive Stone's player that's out. there that I'm like, wow. Stone's been out. So there's not one offensive guy I'm like, wow. Like with the Bruins, you know, Marsh and Pasta Bergeron. With Pittsburgh, Crosby, they get Malkin back. You see what Brian Rust is doing. Evan Rodriguez. Nashville, we've seen Philip Forsberg really going off this year. I, mean, I look at hold Vegas, on. and I just – Marsha shows got 18. Right, 18 but goals. it's Marsha so. And I get he's good, but I don't think he's on that level of a guy like Philip Forsberg or a Brad Marchand. Well, I wouldn't put Marchand and Forsberg on the same level, to be honest. No, I wouldn't either. I mean, I'd have Forsberg – probably a tier above Marsh or so, and then uh, Marsh and above Forsberg. Yeah. I I, I, I have questions for their goaltending. Leonard, I have questions about their offense. Granted, Eichel will be a huge boost for them. Don't get me wrong. To me, my question with Vegas is more the defense. Like, I feel like the style of play, especially in the Western Conference as a whole, is much more run-and-gun, fast, skilled type hockey. And – Obviously, like you watch the Bruins Rangers or Bruins Capitals game the other night, certainly not that way in the Eastern Conference. It's very physical on this side of the league. But to me, Vegas, it's just like you have Theodore and Petrangelo, obviously very, very good defensemen. Both, I think, lean more offensively. Like every time I watch Vegas, Petrangelo is fucking below the circles in the offensive zone. Yeah. Um, White Cloud is eh to me and then i couldn't name another defenseman on that team nick Hague, i know plays uh alec martinez has been out like uh, to me yep. it's the back end that i question i think the offense is fine they get scoring up and down the lineup every single night i mean guys like fucking chandler stevenson have 36 points this year in this 36 player. games he was never that good in washington though no <laughs> um i don't know but to me vegas is a top 10 that? team I mean, I think they will be I, once they get I people agree. healthy. Yeah. I, I do. Me, Go ahead, Newman. No, I think just for me, it's, we're kind of pretty split on the Rangers here. And then, I mean, just looking at the numbers in the average column, I think there's a pretty clear gap between the top two teams and the rest of the, the group yeah, and then Tampa absolutely. and the rest of the group. But, but a lot of movement every single week. Uh, my one, especially I guess, looking at this, the one comment I would have, I would probably direct it towards Colin. I think Pittsburgh is a top 10 team. I mean, they've won 11 of 12 and they got Malkin back. And you look at Jari. Yeah. I think they're a top 10 team. Pittsburgh should probably be in my top 10. But for me, it's hard to just like exclude a team like Vegas who leads their division at, at, to put the Penguins who are fourth. Like, well, but I mean, Vegas has played a, a lot of games, and B, look at the Metro. So is Pittsburgh, though. The Metro is very good. 36. I agree, but I, I don't know. To me, like, I don't love Pittsburgh's roster, so I'm not like I don't think they go very far in the playoffs. I would, if you ask me, who goes farther, Vegas or Pittsburgh? I take Vegas ten out of ten times, which is why I'd rank them higher. I think Vegas, like once they get in the playoffs and once they're going to get all these guys healthy, I think they're going to be a wagon like they seemingly always are. And I love DeBoer as a coach. Um, I will just say I did have the Bruins back in the top ten. Um, they're in mind next week if, if they I win. I think like they're, they they're getting hot. They're getting hot. They're so spanking awesome. Montreal tonight. They play Nashville Saturday. That would be a very good win. Nashville would be a, a very hot win. team. Um, yeah. yeah, the Bruins are getting hot. Rask coming back. So we'll see. 
Yeah. It's interesting in the NHL. I feel like there's so many good teams. It's yeah. very hard to narrow it down to my top 10. So it makes it good. Yes, sir. Um, that's all we have for the power rankings. Evan, the lineup card. All right. So here we go. Um, so I'm going to ask you boys this, uh, this question and I'll start for Colin. How will you remember the 2021, 2022 NFL regular season? Uh, to be honest with you, when I read the lineup card, I wasn't sure how I would answer this. So I left it blank. So when you asked me, I would come up with my answer. Um, to me, there, there'd be a few number of things that I would remember. Number one, this is to me a season that cannot be remembered without talking about the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, the amount of turmoil inside of one franchise. I don't know if I've ever seen something so bad happen in one season and, and the team still prevail and make the playoffs spectacular season for them. Um, number two, I think this would be kind of a season. Like I can't remember the last time we had so many rookie quarterbacks start almost all year. So this is the year of rookie quarterbacks. Um, and thirdly, like this is just such a competitive NFL this year. I think you, you have to remember how close the races were all the way down to week 17. Uh, it was phenomenal, you know, weeks 14 to 18, where it's like, who's this win means this much to this team and, and blah, 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 and how close it was all the way in. I think that's great for the NFL, and I hope more uh, seasons to come are just as competitive. Dan, how about you? What are your thoughts? Um, just I would – like, it was just such a random season. Like, so many upsets, so many unexpected wins and losses for a lot of teams. Um, like, this season just was completely random. I mean, the number one seed in the AFC is 12-5, and five, and a lot of people written off uh, after the Derrick Henry uh, injury, and that being the Tennessee Titans. Like, just such a random year. The Chiefs started awful, and then they come out of nowhere. The Cincinnati Bengals were supposed to be a four-win team, and they end up making the playoffs, winning the division. The Who Philadelphia Eagles team? are in the playoffs. What? Who said they were a four-win team? A lot of people are saying they're only going to win four to seven wins this year. A lot of people really are high putting them in the dumpster. A lot of people are saying Zach Taylor is going to be fired. Like, uh, like, like I just said, the Eagles making the playoffs. Like, just such a weird year. So a lot of random stuff happening. Um, and obviously – as Evan said at the beginning of the year, it doesn't go how you always think it's going to go. But like <laughs> this year was just, that took it to a whole nother level. Yeah. An uh, all time quote there? from Evan. Honestly. Yeah. We'll I don't want to, I don't want to interrupt Newman, but real quickly. Um, also a year where we saw Indy go from what? One and six to eight and six and yeah. Miami go from one and seven to eight and seven. So some crazy win streaks this year as well. Yeah, it was it was really a historic season. Uh, obviously, the first season with the eighteen uh, week schedule. Uh, Newman, what's your, what's your take? Pain. <laughs> um, but on a on a general note, I mean, it was a pretty fucking good season. Uh, I think that was my takeaway like two weeks ago uh, on the Instagram. Just so many upsets. I think most come from behind wins in, in the history of any season, most overtime wins uh, in the history of any season, just a fucking, just a, like a cluster fuck of all the teams trying to make the playoffs two weeks out. Um, and it's shaping out to be a pretty good playoff. So it's a pretty good season. Jim Irsay came out this week and said, the buck stops with me. And this experience makes me even more determined to bring Indiana a contending team. He said, we are already working toward the future and I'm going to do whatever it takes to put us in a position to win next year and for years to come. Obviously we all know about the Indianapolis Colts collapse down the stretch, losing to Vegas and then losing uh, to Jacksonville, just a stunning game. So I'll ask you Connor first, if you are Chris Ballard and Jim Irsay attempting to get Indianapolis back into the playoffs next season, uh, what moves are you looking to make? Well, I think the obvious answer is the quarterback, but unless they want to accrue like 14 mil in dead cap, they really can't do that. So I think they're stuck with them. I think probably just get them another weapon. Um, obviously Pittman is good, but the tight ends have been pretty average. And outside of Pittman, the receivers have been pretty average. And I think the defense has been pretty good at all levels. So I really, I just think get them another skill player. The offensive line has been good. Any depth that they can get 
it would be great. But I think if they run it back, I think they will find more success this year. Dan, what are your thoughts? Do you know, do you think, can you think of any players off the top of your head that you think would be a good fit in Indy at any position? No. And like, it's so hard because India has a franchise really uh, and like we've kind of seen it in the hard knocks. They really harp on drafting guys and developing their own guys. They're, they're not big spenders in free agency. So for Indy, it's like, how do you, you fix this? They're not going to go out and make big splashes to fix this. Like, and we saw them obviously get Carson Wentz this off season, but I think that's a very rare move for Chris Ballard in Indy. Um, but I mean, obviously, like Newman said, the quarterback position, Carson Wentz is just not what he was. You, you see flashes, but he's just not dynamic enough. Um, and I, honestly, he's the reason they're not in the playoffs right now. Um, and what really can you do is just put more weapons around him to make up for that lack of skill. Um, and really, I think it's at the wider wide receiver position. Um, I think Michael Pittman's good, but T.Y. Hilton's getting older. Zach Pascal, I think his contract's up. Um, really, honestly, I think getting maybe a dominant tight end may help for that indie team. Um, I know they have Mo Ali Cox and Jack Doyle, but those aren't really dominant guys in the passing game, at least. Um, so just weapons on offense, I think is how Indy has to fix this drought or not even drought, but like get back to the playoffs. Yeah. Carson Wentz threw for more than 200 yards, only twice over the final eight games of the season. So pretty uh, tough stuff there for Colts fans to grapple with. Uh, Colin, what's your take? Any players off the top of your head that you can think of that Indy should pursue, maybe trade for? Uh, what position of need? What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. When I saw this question, my immediate thoughts were the same as Newman and Dan, right? Obviously, Carson Wentz was a major issue. Uh, I don't know how likely this guy even would be. He's in the division. Deshaun Watson, I think, would be – if you want to win, you go get that guy. That's the best quarterback probably available this coming offseason. If Indy is seriously true about all in, wanting to win, you take the risk. I don't know if Houston would even trade him in the AFC South, um, but if, if Indy's willing to give them enough, I'm, I'm sure they would. Um, so to me, that's your that should be your number one priority at quarterback. If you really truly want to win, I get the legal issue is a risk, but fucking risks also have reward. So that's my answer to that. And also I wrote down number one wide receiver. I don't think Michael Pittman is one. Uh, I think there are a couple in this draft. Obviously Williams went down. That's tough to his draft stock. I still think he's worth a second round pick. You miss him for a year. But assuming he comes back healthy from ACL, which most guys have been doing, look at Cooper Cup this year, you have a number one. I mean, him and Pittman would be a great duo. So to me, those are the two positions. I agree with Dan and Connor. I'm actually pretty impressed at all three of us agreeing right there. Uh, no notes collaboration prior to that answer. Um, I have one more question for the panel, and whoever wants this can take it. Do you think Jonathan Taylor – do you think that's sustained success right there? Because they – really gave him the ball I mean what almost 30 times a game Colin what do you think I know both Dan and Connor shook uh, their head uh, and I agree to a degree because like you look at Derrick Henry he sustained that level of uh, workload for the last three years up to this year with the injury so if the Colts are like really all in on the next three years and they're willing to just burn him out then yeah, it's sustainable for maybe three years. But if you want to look at the long-term play, Taylor's that good of a running back. You want to preserve him as long as you can. It can't be sustainable. But for as long as Carson Wentz is the quarterback, it's going to have to be sustainable because they can't throw it. Simple as that. Yeah, for sure. Um, moving on here to our third question here, the lineup card. We had seven uh coaches who, who were either fired or if you're, you're rich biscasha your contracts your, your interim tags uh coming off so which nfl head coach colin that was not fired this wave do you expect to be the first dismissed next year um the first name that comes to my mind is probably david cully because he was rumored to maybe be on the outs after one year um couple others would be maybe Pete Carroll. Um, I think whoever 
the New York Giants hire could be a one and done just based on how bad that franchise is. Um, but to me, it's probably be Cully would be my answer. Dan, do you agree? Um, I agree that he'll be, um, or I agree that he's on the hot seat, but I, I think Houston's going to be able to make enough development where he kind of keeps his job next year. Um, the roster has to get better. There's no, you can't go down from where they are. It's only going to get better. And I mean, they're pretty competitive down the stretch. So I think he's building a culture down there in Houston. I actually do like David Cully. Um, I know he got kind of got a lot of flack from a lot of people, including myself, because no one knew who he was, but he's actually built a pretty good program in Houston. Um, but the coach, I think that kind of came to my mind and maybe a little hot take for next year is actually going to be Ron Rivera. Um, this I Washington team him. offensively, it, offensively it's it's not good um and even when they made the playoffs the team was not good it was a very bad division um and if you have a third bad year i mean you could see washington move on um ownership sucks um and the defense underperformed this year by a lot and he's a defensive coach so uh you could see that him kind of be on the hot seat and maybe find his way out of washington next year uh newman who do you got um, I guess the only one we haven't mentioned would be Matt Rule in Carolina. Like, I don't think he's a terrible coach. I think the defense that he's built there has actually been quite good. I just think maybe they wanted to go in a different direction uh, on the offensive side of the ball if they were to pick up a quarterback, either in this draft or the next one, just to switch things up. It probably won't even be his fault. Um, but I feel like he has to be on the hot seat um, if he, like, he's not fired this year. But. Yeah, and, and it's a tough look, right, because it really on a lot of the teams who have these coaching openings now, really a lot of the teams really don't have good quarterback play. And it's like, you know, how much can you put on the coach? And I've, I've talked about this. I think, you know, GM should be held more accountable. Like, I think it was amazing. Ryan Pace still had his job up until this year. Like, I think it's tough being a head coach of a team that has a bad quarterback because your leash automatically becomes so much shorter. Um, Ev, before, moving you on move on, the- before you move on, um, sure. a couple names that come to mind as more of a hot take, but possibly if the circumstance arises. I think Frank Wright and Kyle Shanahan are in similar positions where they're both highly respected and obviously they've had some success, but – say San Francisco loses in the first round this year and both teams miss next year, I think there's a chance that they could be looking for a new job just because of the expectations involved with uh, coaches of that prestige and the amount of time where they've been head coaches in San Francisco and Indianapolis without a championship. I'm just going to comment on that. Um, Kyle Shanahan the, the Niners should not be firing this man. Um, this would be if he was fired, kind of how Brian Flores is being reacted to by social media, but times a hundred. I mean, Kyle Shanahan is one of the best offensive minds, I think, in football. Um, I think he's kind of been the team's been dealing with injuries, obviously. And I, I think the offense with Jimmy G, it, it does have a, a limit. I am a Jimmy G fan, not a believer, but I, I think offensively they need to get a couple weapons but i think if you were to file or fire kyle shanahan he would easily be everybody's number one candidate um i I have that much belief in the guy um and i don't think san fran should fire him i i just i don't know how you could fire somebody that's one of the best um best offensive minds in the game i don't think it would be a smart decision but sometimes it's just the guy doesn't work out for that team fair enough I think teams would fire their head coach for Shanahan if he was available <laughs> going off for of that point. Um, moving on to the NHL for question four, uh, Tuka Rask is, is expected to make his season debut for the Boston Bruins on Thursday when they play the Philadelphia Flyers at TD Garden. Uh, the 34-year-old UFA goalie signed a one-year, $1 million deal with Boston on Tuesday. It's surgery to repair a torn labrum in his right hip in late July and has been working out at the Bruins practice facility through his rehab. He began informally practicing with Boston in early December. So it seems like Tuka's back. I don't know what the difference between his starts and Omar's starts are going to be, going to be how many games he'll get. Uh, But my question is the Bruins getting, getting hot. Obviously Tuka's taken them 
into deep playoff runs before. Uh, can he lead the Boston Bruins to the Eastern Conference Finals this year? Connor, what do you think? No, absolutely not. I mean, yes, they're hot, but four of their five wins, including the Montreal ones, they have come against Detroit, the Sabres, and the Devils. So it's not that impressive to me. And I really don't think he's that much of an upgrade, especially given he's coming off an injury where that's kept him out for so long. I don't think he's that much of an upgrade over Omar or Swayman. We'll both play pretty well here. Uh, so given how good the Easter Conference is, no, they're not making it to the Conference Final. Dan, what do you think? I'm also going to go with no. Um, I've been on the record saying I'm kind of low on the Bruins this year. Um, I know they're kind of on a, a streak right now, but um, even adding Rask, um, we all know Tuka Rask when it comes to the playoffs is kind of shaky. Um, so do I envision them making a run to the Eastern Conference Finals? No, I, I really don't. Um, I, I don't know. I'm, even with this recent streak, I'm still low on the Bruins. So it's a no. Uh, Colin, you're a Bruins fan. What do you think? Yeah, first of all, um, the the people who say, and this isn't directed at you, Dan, uh, the people who say that Tuka Rask is shaky or a bad goaltender in the playoffs are fucking insane. Uh, this guy historically has some of the best playoff numbers out of any goaltender who qualifies. Like, this guy is a very, very good goaltender. I don't understand why people in Boston for the last 10 years – have just decided they're not going to like him. Uh, he's fucking good. And if we get Tuka Tuka Rask, the best version of him, which I don't know if it's possible, I think there's a chance. But to me, my answer to this question was TBD, because the only way the Bruins even have a shot at the Eastern Conference Finals is if they continue to sustain the depth scoring, which I'll talk about a little later. But they can keep that scoring up. I think they're as good as any team in the league. So to me... It, it doesn't really matter who the goalie is. It's going to matter about who's putting the puck in the net. Well, we think that they, they should go out and acquire a defenseman. We were talking about this, Colin, a couple of days ago. Uh, right. I mean, you, you got to yeah. think that's the area that they should upgrade. Uh, granted, we know about the depth, but Steen, since he got up here, is playing amazing. Like, he had He's a great playing great. Chance tonight. Yeah. I think it, it, they're finally starting to put these pieces together since the calendar flipped to 2022. I hope, and I hope guys it keeps like Paula really Felino are starting to get going. No sec was finding a role before he got COVID. So the role players are playing well, uh, which is good. I know you'll talk about the Bruins later. So we'll yeah. move into question five. Um, Connor McDavid was asked a question about the Edmonton Oilers' interest in uh, now free agent Evander Kane this week and responded, quote, I'm not really here to discuss optic issues. If fans don't like it, if media doesn't like it or whatever, it is what it is. Uh, obviously, we know about Kane um, and, and his past. Uh, it's really interesting because now the NHL is apparently looking into how he managed to get into Canada when he had COVID. It's just this whole new thing with him. Um, do you agree or disagree, Colin, with NHL teams having interest in this guy, given his past and the current investigation? Look, I think this guy's a fucking jerk-off, and I can't fathom uh, any GM wanting this kind of locker room menace in the, on their team. But the guy has considerable skill, and if you're a team like Edmonton that is slumping harshly right now, you're without your best player, you just – you have no defense. You have to outscore your opponent every single night. This is a guy you should be looking at. This is a guy that can slide in on your second line if he plays to his full potential and he figures out how to not be such a fucking douchebag. Um, but personally, I don't think he deserves another chance. I think he's fucked up one too many times. And uh, I think he should be silently rubbed out of the league. I will just say, since this is relevant to one, uh, to Connor. Uh, Darren Drager said this week, quote, the Edmonton Oilers are believed to be in the top three for Evander Kane, along with the Panthers and Lightning. Um, and Dan Milstein said uh, that he's still interviewing with teams, no contract in hand, salary not agreed to yet, many more details to be worked out. Um, Dan, what do you think? Do you think Kane should get another chance uh, in the NHL? Um, as kind of the outsider here, yeah. um, like – I guess I can't really attest to what he's actually done. I, I feel like there's maybe some gambling thing or something like that. 
Um, Gambling, domestic violence, uh, fake vaccination. Why is it always the fake vaccination of these people? (laughs) A whole whole number of things for Evander Kane. It's more what hasn't he done? Well, it seems as though, and this holds true across a lot of sports, um, even guys like this where they do have a lot of the off the field or I guess off the ice issues, um, if they're talented, um, good teams are going to at least kick the tires on players like this just to see if they could give them that extra little push that they need to make the playoffs or even win a championship. So honestly, like teams like the Oilers that were very good at the beginning of the year and have kind of stumbled since, um, I'm not going to blame them for at least kicking the tires. Uh, Teams like the lightning, like you said, um, I'm not going to blame them, uh, for at least kicking the tires on somebody like this, who you guys say is very talented. Um, sounds like an awful human being or, um, at least kind of seems that way, but I'm not going to blame them for uh, trying to see if they can get more skill. I was hoping uh, we'd get another uh, kicking the tires there to put the count. Yeah, I realized I said that too many times, so I had to change it up. <laughs> I wanted to get uh, a kicking the uh, kicking the tires counter there. <laughs> um, Connor, your team's interested reportedly. Uh, would you like Evander Kane on your team? Sure. <laughs> We need to score more <laughs> goals. Um, I know John Cooper will not put up with his fucking antics because John Cooper's a respected coach in the league. But he's a respected I mean, man. He, he is respected man. But Evander, Evander Kane, he sounds a lot like some other guy who just ran off the field shirtless the other day. Um, and teams keep seeming to sign him. So I think teams that want to win are just going to say fuck it and sign these kind of guys, whether he deserves it or not. Obviously, he should be kicked out of the league. But, I mean, if your team's looking for goals, let's kick the tires, as Dan would say. <laughs> By yeah, the Ken way, Hall. go ahead. Uh, I don't know if anybody else knew this. I did not know this. And I don't even know if it's true because Jack Edwards said it. But <laughs> he said that John Cooper's never won a Jack Adams award. I believe he won it like three years ago. But I, will I was going to say – Number one, if he hasn't, that's a fucking sin. And number yeah. two, that just can't be true. I mean, Jack Edwards, what a fucking clown. Um, Showing early signs of dementia. <laughs> Jack Edwards. <laughs> well, Newman's looking that up. Uh, we can, uh, A potential defenseman, a pretty good defenseman, potentially on the move at this trade deadline. Uh, John Klingberg said uh, – within the last month uh, quote other guys have signed right before the season uh, i wanted to do that as well lately it's been more going more quietly and quietly for me as a player i don't feel like i've been appreciated in that way when we don't even negotiate it's quiet for me as a player my agent we talked to jim nil a couple months back he agreed that we could start talking with other gms to see where we were at negotiation wise the stars have been very quiet He's reportedly requested a trade out of Dallas, which is really interesting. So, uh, Newman, uh, what team do you believe should make a deal for John Klingberg? Obviously, the talent is there. I think, you know, he he just kind of has to get out of there at this point. But uh, And I'm sure teams will be interested, probably at least 20 of them. I'm sure. Uh, John Cooper is not one of Jack Adams. Wow. So that's a sin. similar to Bill Belichick, the, the best coach usually just doesn't win that. That's award. A sin. That um, is the sin when I call him. So my, so my team is the Toronto Maple Leafs. I think this is finally the year they break out of the first round and Kyle Dubas is going to do whatever it takes. And I think that means bolstering up that defense and hopefully the fucking offense will actually score some goals in the playoffs this year. But I think they really could use a defenseman and I think Klingberg makes a lot of sense. Uh, Dan, I know you don't know too much about hockey, but John Klingberg, uh, you got a team in mind maybe for him? Yeah, I'm going to say the uh, Maple Leafs because Connor said it. (laughs) Um, And obviously, before I go to Colin, I think it's noteworthy too. A guy that could also be on the move is Jacob Chikrin, and and we know he's talented as hell, scored a shit ton of goals last year. So some good defensemen are going to be available. Um, Who's your team, Colin, for John Klingberg? I had a Toronto written down, um, but as – I was sitting here. I was thinking about a couple other teams. Uh, Edmonton would be a good fit. Uh, I think Calgary would be a good fit. Both goal uh, defensemen needy teams. Uh, obviously, I think there's a need in Boston. I don't know if they have the resources to get a caliber player like Klingberg. 
Um, but to me, I think a lot of Canadian teams make sense for Klingberg, at least the ones in contention. Even Winnipeg makes sense to me. Yeah, I think he's almost certain to be traded. And, and like I said, I mean, I think so many teams are going to be interested. Um, another guy who's it was really interesting is Tomas Hurdle. Um, Elliot Friedman said on the 32 Thoughts pod that, quote, it might be too early to tell where this is going, but it definitely is was trending towards that he was going to test the free agent market this offseason before of the, Evander, the Evander King contract uh, termination. So that might change things. Obviously, Hurdles had a, an incredible season for the Sharks, really flying under the radar, in my opinion. Uh, they were down 2 nothing in Philadelphia. With like 10 minutes to go, he wound up getting a hatch, including the OT winner. Like what him and Timo Meyer are doing this year is incredible. Uh, so, Colin, I'll go to you. Uh, do you think – do you believe Thomas Hurdle will sign a contract extension with San Jose or hit the market this summer? It's tough because a guy like him is going to be loyal to San Jose, right? He's been there for so long. He was there for the runs. Captain now. Yeah. But to me, this is similar to Tavares. Sometimes – your stay just comes to an end. And this team is not a team that's trending towards championships in the next five years, which is the rest of his prime, in my opinion. Uh, and to have a season that he's having right now, I can't see how you wouldn't walk. I mean, this guy could get, you know, eight per for the next five to seven years if he wants it. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know if San Jose would give him that kind of money. So to me, you walk, you go to a, a team that's a little bit better positioned than San Jose to contend. And uh, I don't know, you put yourself forward. Yeah. And, and I actually don't think he's the captain. My bad. I think Kachur is, but uh, Dan, um, right. what do you he's think? He's an A though. He's an A. Uh, Dan, what do you think on uh, hurdle? I'm going to say walk because Colin said. <laughs> <laughs> Newman. What do you got? It's a clean sweep. I think he should walk. I think it, at the beginning of the year, if you asked me that, I think he would have stayed. But I think the team, like they're in the second wild card spot right now, mostly due to their strong start. I don't think that's going to last. And I don't think he wants to stick around for another rebuild. I think it just makes sense for them to part ways at this point. Yeah, San Jose really is such a weird team because they got a lot of money locked up in Carlson, a lot of money locked up in Burns, a lot of money locked up in Vlasic, Couture um Meyer like their core is just is weird because it feels like guys that are just past their primes besides really Hurdle and Meyer uh so I do wonder what he will decide to do obviously they San Jose has more money and I do think that it would be in their best interest to bring him back um question eight moving into the NBA with the NBA trade deadline a month away Ben Simmons agent uh clutch, uh, clutch sports CEO Rich Paul met with the Philadelphia 76ers president of basketball ops Daryl Morey and GM Elton Brand on Wednesday and the sides remain at a stalemate over the all-star guards immediate future sources told ESPN this was from Adrian Wojnarowski um Newman uh, how long can we expect this Ben Simmons saga to go for? Do you think they'll trade them? I, I, I just don't know where this is headed. We it, There's just been kind of no ground made. He's still not playing. I I would say this goes into the offseason. I don't think they haven't made any progress on any kind of trade before the deadline, so I don't see that happening per se. And they're obviously not going to release him because you can get something for him. So I think this goes into the offseason. He won't play this year, and then they'll just take whatever they can get. I mean, it, it just has to be over soon. Like, this, it's so ridiculous. He sucks anyway. Like, just fucking get, move on. <laughs> I did see a report today that the Minnesota Timberwolves would trade anybody but Towns and Edwards for him. Dan, you're the 76ers fan of the pod. Uh, I'm really curious to hear what you have to say. Well, um, this is my headline for later, so I'll talk more oh, about okay. it. I will talk more about it later, but um, it, I, I'm done with the guy, personally. <laughs> um, I, I just think his inability to shoot, like he's talented, but the inability to shoot just, I think, kills the team, kill, uh, kills any chance we have at a championship. And just when you add the attitude on top of it, I'm ready to get rid of this guy, but I'll talk more about it later. Colin. Yeah, <laughs> excuse me. I think this is a scenario that's kind of going to accelerate itself. Uh, I don't see Ben Simmons being a 76 or past the trade deadline. 
I think a team is going to be needy enough. It's going to be restless enough uh, to make an offer or vice versa. 76ers are going to be uh, wanting something uh, rather than Ben Simmons sitting on his fucking couch uh, to help them for their playoff run. And I think they'll trade them for maybe less than they would want to get or think they can get. But at the end of the day, you want to win and trading him is better than him doing nothing for you, but eating up money. Um, so I, I say it's over by the deadline. Yeah, I just, it's just incredible how long this has gone on for, um, you know, kind of thought this would have been solved by now with maybe a trade, but I don't, I don't know what's going on there. Dan will touch on it later. And, and last question of the lineup card here, we'll talk about the Memphis Grizzlies. So I just have want to read some of this. Um, so Memphis has won 20 of 24 games, a run that started when Morant suffered a knee injury that sidelined him for 12 games to improve to 29 and 14 on the year, putting them uh, percentage points uh, very close to behind the Utah Jazz for third place. Uh, Steve Kerr said that they've turned into one of the best teams in the league, and he's praised, he praised the Grizzlies org for building this team from the ground up in the last few years. Uh, their last loss was December 23rd to the Warriors in San Francisco. Uh, franchise record 10 game win streak the league's longest active win streak uh, includes victories over top two teams the top two teams in the west phoenix uh, golden state uh, grizzlies have also beaten uh, las vegas's two preseason title favorites the lakers twice and the brooklyn nets on the road during the streak john morant said that number one were one of the best teams in the league so there's a lot of belief there in memphis that they are really on to something good uh, my question is for you, Colin, um, can John Morant lead the Grizzlies to the Western Conference Finals this year? Absolutely. I am all in on the Memphis Grizzlies. I'm a total believer. Uh, if, I, if I could, I would echo Steve Kerr. Um, absolutely. From the ground up, grassroots. These guys are homegrown. Morant, Jackson, Dylan Brooks, your core. All these guys you drafted yourself, you've developed – I love their core. I think Jaws is an absolute baller. Um, fucking, I, I really like this team. And to me, like, the West is, like, almost weaker than it typically is. I, I know all of us kind of coming into the year was like, oh, the West is going to be really good. I think Dallas is a threat. Denver's a threat. Portland's a threat. Utah's a threat. L.A., L.A., so all these teams, Golden State. Uh, and Memphis wasn't really talked about. I know someone did have them in. I think it was Evan. No, um, I, I think it was Newman, maybe. No. It might have been Newman. I can't remember. But we, I know we all weren't big fans of the Valanciunas trade when it happened. Look, they don't miss the guy at all. Uh, they're phenomenal without him. They look great. Uh, and like you've said it, Evan, they beat the best teams. They've proven it. So, to me, I'm all in. Dan, do you agree with Colin? I don't know if we can find who had them in because I don't think many of us did. I'd be I'm curious try to and know find that. It. Uh, I actually have it right in front of me. So Connor had them as the seven, um, yeah. and that was it. Yep. So, but um, yeah, what do you think, Dan? Uh, do you agree with what Colin said? Yeah, I do. Um, I think Memphis is very good. Um, kind of, kind of like I said earlier, just kind of coming out of nowhere. Um, I really like what Memphis is doing right now. Obviously they kind of have to get by golden state and Phoenix. Um, but I like their chances to do it. Um, as we kind of saw last year in the NBA, uh, upsets can happen. Um, and this Memphis team seems like a team that could absolutely do it. Um, so I really like the chances uh, to make a Western conference finals. run. And yeah, Newman, you had them in the only one here on the pod that did. So you saw something in them. Um, but do you agree with Dan and Colin that they can make a run behind Jaw to the West Conference Finals? Yeah, I think I was just a Jaw fanboy, so I, I threw them in. But they're really good. And what, interestingly enough, uh, I know a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about the Celtics and we were talking about how they only have five double-digit scores and the rest of the league has like eight or nine. The Grizzlies have four, uh, only four. And so I think that's probably the fewest in the league. But you know what? It's working. They somehow have this weird formula of scoring, um, and it's working. They beat the, the Warriors of the day, and I think they will go as far as those four take them, uh, Morant, Brooks, Bain, and Jackson. So go Grizzlies. Well, that will do it for my segment here, the lineup card. Uh, I'll turn it back Great to Great work, Evan. Great work. Uh, phenomenal lineup card. Love the set of questions you came up with today, buddy. Thank you. 
Thank you, man. Um, I'm going to throw it over to Dan, actually, and we're going to get back to some Ben Simmons talk. Yeah, so I decided to actually close my notes. But um, so I was obviously everybody knows Ben Simmons. Um, it's just kind of been a think lately, uh, even over just really the last year. Uh, doesn't want to play for the Sixers. He says his mental health is not good enough to play. Uh, I don't buy it. Um, I think he just wants to get out of town. He doesn't like Philly. And he's blaming his mental health for it. But anyway, um, so the Sixers have been trying to trade Simmons for a while now. Um, and some teams like the Hawks, Timberwolves, and Pacers have kind of emerged as favorites um, as the trade deadline comes up. Um, but it seems as though the Sixers front office, kind of like they were in the offseason, just very reluctant to trade him because they think Simmons is worth like two superstars and two first-round picks, something I think is absolutely absurd for a guy that can't even shoot the basketball. Um <laughs> It's like it's been said that they're not satisfied with offers with John Collins or uh, Sabonis um, and even major assets that Minnesota had to offer, obviously excluding Anthony Edwards, like Evan said earlier. But um, it just I, I think the Sixers front office and I even have it as my takeaway. I think the front office for the Sixers is delusional. I think that Ben Simmons is worth so much. Um, I don't even think they have a lot of leverage in these trades. Uh, a lot of the teams will just say, OK, he's not going to play for you. So. He's just going to sit on your bench. Like, I'm not going to trade you two superstars and two first round picks for a guy, like I said, that can't shoot the basketball. It doesn't make a lot of sense. So, um, and like you asked earlier, I don't know if this gets done at the trade deadline. Um, it just sounds like the two parties, whether whatever team it is with the, uh, like the Hawks or Pacers and the Sixers, uh, it just seems they're so far apart in what Ben Simmons is actually worth. So I don't know if it could get done by the trade deadline. It seems like maybe an off season type thing where they could kind of rebuild the relationship and maybe he does end up playing, but it's just such a weird, like just such a weird, uh, I, I can't even come up with the word, but like situation, I guess, for the Sixers and Simmons, like, I don't think he's going to play and I don't think they could trade him. It, it, I don't know. As a Sixers fan, it's just kind of frustrating. If I may, um, I think also Atlanta and Indiana are delusional for thinking he is worth either John Collins or Sabonis. <laughs> I mean, I can't believe Philly isn't jumping at those two guys when Seriously. Ben Simmons is doing nothing for you but eat up a max contract position. And now all of a sudden you want to trade Tobias Harris too? Uh, I don't know. I forget who tweeted it, but they were like, bruh, it was Kuzma, like, bruh, trying to package 80 mil in a deal. Like, that's never going to fucking happen. Philadelphia, Dan, I agree. Elton Brand is out of his fucking mind. He is off his rocker. Check this guy in, dude. He's crazy. <laughs> well, I'll just say, I, I mean, they have to feel some sort of way, obviously, because he was taken so the first pick. So you immediately, you don't want to say that he has no value because you wasted that pick on a guy like that. Um, and I do happen to believe that Elton Brand and Daryl Morey are smart people. I just think this is just such a tough situation where it's like, I don't know. Like, I just don't know. I am surprised to see uh, obviously John Collins start to be frustrated in Atlanta, but like, I don't even think like if this guy can just develop a shot, his defense is there, his playmaking ability is there, the passing, if he could just develop a shot and like work on a shot, but that, but that might be the thing because he's not doing that. And he, he has no confidence in himself. He has mental health issues. I'm a big advocate for mental health. Um, so he needs to get that figured out first. Um, like, I just don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just don't know. I, I think maybe a John Collins Simmons, like, I don't know. They're going to have to get something for him because he was the first pick. That doesn't mean much, bro. Like well, he has a talent. lot of shitty first picks. No, he has he, no talent. He has he's, no talent. He's, a, he's an elite defender, and he's an elite you, playmaker. You tell me Anthony Bennett should have fetched, like, Harrison Barnes in 2016 just because he was the first round, first overall pick? <laughs> That's... Well, it's also John Collins. It's not like the Messiah. John Collins is like a fucking 17 and 9 guy. Like, Well, he's, he's losing player. value. Well, he's losing value because the Hawks – he's not happy with the Hawks. I don't know why the Hawks can't figure it out, although they, I think they've won seven in a row and they're up to like sixth place in the East. But uh, I don't know. It, it, my problem is that these players are just such such wankers. All they do is complain. <laughs> one, one thing they don't like, they're unhappy about one tiny thing and 
the fucking earth has come crashing down and we're living in a, a solar world where everything must go the way they fucking want. Like, dude, you signed a contract. You're making ridiculous sums of money. Just fucking play the game and, and play for the team that is giving you those sums of money. Agreed. That's all I got. <laughs> That's all I got. That's all I got. Uh, well. Does anybody else have anything to say about Ben Simmons? Fuck all me. right. I think it's Evan's turn to talk about a guy who actually got what he wanted, shipped out of town, the new Vegas Golden Knights. No, I'd switch my, my headline. Oh, what the fuck? <laughs> you didn't tell me, guy. Now I look like a Did I put it clown. in the chat? It was in the chat. Oh, now I am a clown. Whatever. <laughs> Speak freely then. Sorry, you were skating. Uh, so I found this really interesting article by uh, Jenna Lemoncelli in the New York Post about Tua Tagovailoa, or as I call him, Tua Tagovailoa, trash I think he's trash, but and Brian Flores. Um, so it was reported on Tuesday, a day after the Dolphins fired their former head coach in Flores, a new report said he had an F-bomb-filled meltdown with the quarterback at one point this season. According to the South Florida Sun Centennial, during halftime of a Week 16 loss to the Titans that crushed the Dolphins' playoff hopes, Tagovailoa claimed that Flores, quote, doesn't know how to talk to people. Flores, meanwhile, reportedly said he needed better fucking play from the quarterback. The exchange was apparently one of a few spats between the coach and the quarterback, as noted in the article, which claimed Flores was fired for, quote, communication and collaboration. The Dolphins surprised many on Monday when they announced the firing of Flores after posting back-to-back winning seasons. Flores tallied a 24-25 and record in three seasons with the Dolphins, going 5-11 and in 2019 and 10-6 and in 2020. Um, real quick, also, I just have a four few questions. 4-2 against, against Belichick, yeah. So I have a few questions here. Um, so I guess I'll ask Colin, like, what, what first, what are your thoughts on that story? I mean, look, you kind of alluded to this earlier. Coaches are put in a very tough situation when their quarterbacks are smelly. And when you have a bad quarterback like Tua that can really just get under your skin and frustrate you the fuck out, it is tough to always keep your cool. And like, I get you're supposed to be a professional, but like, these are grown men. You should be able to handle some criticism if you're Tua, in my opinion. I don't think Flores is necessarily in the right, but Flores was in the right. Uh, Miami was getting thrashed and Tua was playing like shit. And it was a very important game and, and it may have cost Flores his job. So, I think Flores has every right to express that, maybe not in front of the team. Um, but, you know, there's got to be accountability to the players too. Like, this is this is right. This is a player that Miami has been considering trading uh, after they spent the fifth overall pick just two short years ago. They've been considering moving him. They don't think he's a franchise quarterback, this and that. And now all of a sudden they're willing to fire their head coach over what this guy says. It's a strange turn of favors or fortunes in Miami all of a sudden they're in love with this guy well they clearly picked the quarterback over the head coach even though the quarterback was the one in the trade rumors the last year uh Connor um this is kind of a relevant question to you I guess what are your thoughts and do you believe the Dolphins taking two over Herbert we know about Flores how he wanted Herbert instead do you think that revved up his frustration with two initially he's like fuck this guy sucks I was right fuck all y'all I'm sure he's pissed because Herbert's the next coming of Jesus Christ out here. Um, All right. Let's not go that far. <laughs> I mean, just on this story, two is a punk bitch. If you can't take some criticism from your head coach, go join the NBA where you belong. Like, If you're not like any uh, athlete with like, we were all athletes at one point or another. If we were playing bad. I want my coach to tell me that like, and try to motivate me. I don't want him to just be like, Oh, go out. You're doing great, son. Like, fuck you. Dude. <laughs> Fuck Tua, just go out there, play some football. You you blew your chances in that game. So yeah, I, Flores is a hundred percent the right. Uh, I love Dan, that answer, Newman. That is a good answer. Uh, Dan, what are your thoughts? And were you surprised Chris Greer wasn't fired? Also, um, 
So it's like on the surface of it, I was surprised that Flores was fired. Like I understand they've missed the playoffs three years that he's been there. Obviously one year they're dog shit. The two other years, like winning record and you just missed the playoffs. So it was very surprising. But then come to find out their owner, Stefan Ross or whatever the hell his name is, he's got to be the biggest Tua fan because apparently he is like in love with Tua and just didn't want to like, didn't agree with how Flores looked at Tua. So he must've been the person that like heard all the rumors, heard Brian Flores talk about Herbert over Tua heard about that spat that he had week 16 and said, no, you're not, you're not saying that to my franchise quarterback, even though he's not a franchise quarterback. Yes, Colin. Right. Um, but then why the fuck would this guy allow all these Tua Watson headlines for the past year? Well, Stefan Ross, I don't know. He's probably just some owner that doesn't actually follow the team closely. Cause if he did, um, he would obviously realize Tua is not that good and is not a franchise quarterback. So I don't really know. You're not that guy, pal. You're not that guy. Yeah, no, that's that's about it. Uh, just a, a shocking situation. I think I agree with no man. Like, what, Tua can't handle any criticism. Yeah, I'm sure probably part of the reason he can't take it is he's actually playing like shit. And he knows it. And he knows yeah. Herbert's way better than him. You think he doesn't yeah. know that? Yeah. Seeing all the throws Justin Herbert's take, making – like he knows, he knows that Herbert's better than him. He knows that Flores was right. I wishes he could make like fifty percent of the throws that Herbert did. Like that guy wishes. I've Absolutely. seen him scramble sometimes, and like it's just awful how bad this guy's arm strength is. Like this guy, like scrambles, goes to throw it down the field, and you're expecting a big play, and it's like twenty yards short. It's not even close. It's sad. This is kind of off topic, but I was at a, a conference this weekend in California, and. And I met someone from Oregon um, who, uh, who said apparently Justin Herbert's like the nicest dude ever. And like when he would be at parties, like he would talk to everybody and like he was just so humble. That's what I heard. So I, I hear Herbert's just an awesome he dude. He is super humble. He avoids the cameras and the interviews. Yeah. It's really awesome. Yeah. So just thought I'd add that. It's lovely, really. Uh, another lovely thing that's going on right now, the Boston Bruins, as we talked about earlier won five of their last six since the new year has begun. Um, they're playing really well, and they're getting the depth scoring, like I mentioned earlier. I believe they have 16 goal scorers over the last six games. Uh, 24 of their 28 goals have come five on five, which is huge because Boston's a team for the past three years that has really struggled to score five on five outside of their first line. Um but I have concerns. Obviously, Newman has said the East is very good this year. I think there are probably four, probably five teams that I think are better than Boston, possibly six um, in the Atlantic Division, Tampa, Florida, Toronto. Um, I also think Carolina and the Rangers are probably better than Boston. Um, so I think it's a long road home to the Stanley cup as in home. But I think the Bruins have a fighting chance with Tuca coming back. If they can sustain the depth scoring. So Evan, I'll ask you since you watch the Bruins as often as I, do you think the depth scoring is sustainable? Um, I do. And, and, and part of the reason why I agree with that Colin is because uh, Bruce Cassidy made this genius line change, right? He, he made, he decided to stay to, to take David Pasternak, off the top line, obviously with Bergeron and Marchand, put Craig Smith back up there, who's played with them before. He puts Pasta on this line, too, with Taylor, Taylor Hall and Eric Howa. And that line, ever since he made that line change, Eric Howa's just started to score goals. I think he had one all year prior to, and then once he made the line change for, uh, for the first game of 2022, uh, he's already got two, scored against Washington. It's been really awesome to see him get going. Go ahead, Colin. Taylor Hall also has a point every game playing with those two. Yeah, no, Hall's Hall's been just as good as well. And and you think they brought up Steen, who's been really impressive, made a great pass to Marshan tonight. Um, go check that out. Um, you know, Coyle, uh, Colin, you, you've been a big Charlie Coyle fan, eight goals this season. Like, I think it's sustainable. Um, and I, I would like to see them maybe add a depth forward and obviously a defenseman at the deadline, but like, I think they're in a really nice spot. And that, I think that line change really got the ball going. 
Uh, Newman, I'll ask you as a Tampa fan. I know that you think, I would guess, Florida and Toronto are probably more pressing concerns for Tampa. But what do you think the odds are that Boston ends up being the biggest threat to Tampa? Um, not great because I just think those other two teams are just better. Um, I didn't even know they moved Pasternak. That's finally that we've been they've been talking about breaking up the perfection line for fucking years now. Like, yeah, that's how two good teams win. Like Stamkos plays on the second line. Dry Slidle had some time on the second line. Like that's just how it should work. So I'm glad they did that. But I mean, they're hot. I know. I was just looking at their next three games after the this week. Got Nashville Capitals again and Carolina. That's a big test. And I guess we could reevaluate at that point, um, see if they survived that, how Tuca plays. But, yeah, there's potential there. I like that answer. Dan, <laughs> do you have anything to add? I know you're not a big hockey guy. <laughs> no. Um, I hope the Bruins keep winning because that's better for my fanhood. But other than that, <laughs> I have not watched a single game. I did not know they were on a winning streak until you told me it was your headline. Um, so, yeah, nothing really to add about hockey. Where All I'm right. losing by 40 points in fantasy hockey. Yes, to me. Um, you're at my mercy this week, Dan. <laughs> what up? Because Marsh solid 10 points this week. Marshan has more points than your whole team. <laughs> Only I set my roster. <laughs> uh Newman, you are the last one to share a headline, and for the life of me, I can't remember what it is. It's Thompson's back. Um yeah, oh yeah. Warriors. And I wanted to bring it up because I wanted to see if you guys were concerned about that because he shot 18 shots in 20 minutes. Uh, they lost to Memphis. Um, and while his numbers have been good and Steph Curry's numbers have been good, everyone else on the team has taken a huge dip in production because they're not getting the ball as much. And I'm wondering if they're going to fall out of first place because of it, because you know, things were working great when Steph was facilitating. Poole was averaging like 20 points a game. Wiggins was doing well. And now they're both struggling to get over 10. Um, so that was kind of concerning to me. Just wanted to see if you guys share that feeling. Well, go ahead, Dan. Um, I'm just, I was just going to say like adding a guy like Clay as talented as he is, like there's going to be a little like development period, like growing pains. Um, and the, the Warriors, I have no concerns that they'll figure it out. Like, they may struggle a little bit in the next week or so, but the, they'll figure it out. I mean, Clay's talented. Draymond's talented. Steph's one of the best players in the league, if not the MVP. Um, so I got no worries that they'll figure it out. Um, in terms of first place, I mean, the Suns are literally right on their tails. So they may fall into the two spot, but, I mean, they're still going to be neck and neck with Phoenix for the rest of the way. Yeah, I agree with what Dan said. And I remember when we had Logan Paulson on the podcast, he was talking about the Washington, a different sport, different situation, but he was talking about the Washington defense and like how really pathetic it was at the beginning of the year. And he attributed that to a lot of them, like not playing together, not really finding kind of the, their stride, their rhythm, uh, communication, really getting that game plan where uh, they all know how to coexist. So I think it's a similar situation to that. Clay is one of the best players in the NBA when he's fully healthy, which he seems like he's back. So it'll just, there's just a growing period. And I, I think they'll be fine. I still think that they'll probably win the West. Yeah, I think they'll be fine as well. I do think this, to me, this is more about Clay trying to get right and feel footing underneath him more than the other guys struggling. I think Clay's like, obviously, obviously he's a historically good shooter. He's going to want to get hot. Um, which I think is the cause for all the shots. He wants to get used to playing in the NBA again. It's been almost two years, no, actually more than two years, I think, um, since he's really played. So I think he just needs more of an adjustment period. I think the team is good enough where they'll kind of figure it out with or without Clay getting hot. Um, but to me, the rough start and Clay's rough start has just been him trying to get acclimated again. Newman, the rant is you today, my friend. Oh boy, Dan. Dan knows what this is about. Hold on, let me pull up my uh, my notes. <laughs> get my clock ready. All right. So this this rant is titled "Being a Chargers Fan Makes Your Life Miserable." Um, so I'm going to take you guys on a 17 year history of the Chargers and are why. You reading, are, are you reading? Are you reading a poem? Uh, kind of. This is kind of poetic. 
pick. So starting 2004, um, the Chargers make the playoffs. Nate Keating misses the game-winning field goal. We lose to the Jets. 2006, we go to play Brady. We pick him off three times. Marlon McCree picks him off with under a minute to go. Should have iced the game. Instead of taking a knee, he tries to run it back like a goof. He fumbles. Brady scores. Uh, and then Nate Keating misses again with a chance to tie the game. We were 14-2 and two that year. It was Phil's rookie year. And then we fired our coach um, after a 14-2 season. Whatever. Uh, 2009, we lose in the divisional round to the Jets. Guess what? Nate Keating misses three field goals. Um, side note, How's Phil this guy was... still have a job? <laughs> we'll get to that. Phil was robbed of an MVP that year by Peyton Manning. Uh, led the league in almost every category. A uh, year later... 2010, the infamous first in offense, first in defense, 32nd ranked in special teams. We missed the playoffs oh. at nine and seven. Uh, over the next five years, we made one playoff appearance. Uh, nothing terrible. Beat the Bengals in the wild card round before losing to Denver. Skip to 2017. Young Hoku misses two chip shot game winners to start the year. We would go on to miss the playoffs at nine and seven, tied with the, the Bills, who are also nine and seven. So fuck that guy. 2018, we lose Hunter Henry and Jason Verrett in the preseason. Both tore their ACL. Uh, we had, at that point, were the most injured of years. The life sucks. We thought it would get better, but no. In 2019, Derwin and Nasir Adderley both are out for the year in training camp. Uh, we go 2-9 and nine in one-score games, including four straight weeks of blown 16-point leads. And then finally, you guys know this last Sunday, my heart got ripped out by Daniel Carlson. So... Chargers fans are on suicide watch. Nice two-minute rant there, Newman. Squeeze it all in. I'm glad I squeezed it all in. I've I hate your pain, bud. I'd hate to be I'm you, sorry. man. <laughs> At least I it had LT. It did have LT, but he didn't play in the, the AFC Championship game where we should have beat the Pats because he sprained his little toe. That was important when you're running didn't play either. I know. Well, Phil played on a torn ACL, so I, I don't <laughs> I have any sympathy for his little his little pinky toe. As weird okay. as it may sound, being an Eagles fan, because apparently they're one of the most consistent teams in making the playoffs over the last two decades. As weird as it may sound. <laughs> I saw that, and I also, doing my research, found that the Chargers roster is like top five in the past 10 years, but we are the most injured over the past 10 years, so it doesn't That's work. not surprising. I feel like they have a big injury every year, and I don't know if that's because they are bad at finding guys who don't get hurt or they just have shitty luck. If I were, if this were Madden, I would fire my trainer. That I said, we should fire a trainer. Uh, unfortunately, every time we release a kicker, they get really good. Like young Hoku or Josh Lambeau or Hunter Henry, who's somehow stated healthy this year. So his first full season in his career. Yep. So it's the Alex say? Guerrero method. <laughs> Yeah. I got nothing else. That's it. All right. Good pod. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week. Later. Peace. Put your tears away. Ain't no fear today. You can drive off towards that summertime sunset. The sweat you ain't done yet. Take the keys, leave the regrets. Write your letters, place your bets. I'll be the one who accepts.